Welcome to Credit Union Conversations Podcast with your host, Mark Ritter, a forward-thinking CEO who excels in helping credit unions, small businesses, and real estate investors succeed. Join Mark as he explores current trends, interviews industry experts, and get fresh insights on optimizing your operations and delivering the best possible services to credit union members. Hello, everyone. This is Mark Ritter, your host of Credit Union Conversations and the CEO of MBFS, a business lending QSO supporting over 90 credit unions now across the country. Thank you for joining me. I'm so glad we're starting here our second year of Credit Union Conversations as our QSO uh, continues to grow and we continue to bring hopefully just a little bit of knowledge and entertaining as you're at the gym, driving to work, uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm really looking forward to today's episode. Joining me today is Kelly Boddy, the CEO of Truemark Financial Credit Union. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mark. I'm happy to be here today. So you are a relatively new CEO, and that's actually the theme of our show today, what it's like to go through the process to become a CEO, you know, ripping under the covers to see what it took and your life story and uh, your, your reaction so far. So first of all, for our listeners who are all credit union people, kind of give us your origin story and your career background. Sure. Thank you. And I appreciate the time that you're giving me today. It's been such uh, an eye-opening six months. And um, there's so many things that you can prepare for, and there's so many things that you can't. And, um, you know, it's been really an interesting reflection point since I'm just exactly past the six-month mark now. So, my background is that I, uh, I'm an attorney by trade. So um, I went to law school locally in Philadelphia, Villanova, go Cats. Then I practiced law in the financial institution space for um, a few years before turning into in-house general counsel role. So I was general counsel for a small community bank. I was there for about 18 months while we uh, packaged up the bank and sold the bank. And then I began my journey with Trumark Financial in 2014 and it's been a great opportunity since so i came in as general counsel and compli- our compliance officer and i grew my role into the c-suite into chief risk officer role which i held for about seven years so i've been with the company for a little over eight years and it's been a great journey so the last uh few years of my career. I've been dabbling in lots of different things, lots of different opportunities. And when our CEO announced his retirement last year, I um, threw my hat into the ring. And here we are. So when you were cramming at law school and studying for the bar exam, did you ever imagine uh, that you'd be doing, quote, non-lawyer work and, and a CEO running a financial institution? That is a very good question. And the answer is no, I never in my wildest dreams uh, when I was studying in law school thought that I would be here. Um, Once I went in-house into the banking space, um, I very, um, I, I fell in love with the business side of banking. And that's when I really started to cast my aspirations for larger enterprise leadership. But back then I wanted to be a litigator and that's, that's what I was focused on. Now, as the crows fly, you're not too far from me. 
Yeah. But and, and I'm a little familiar with I'm familiar with True Mark just because we're so close. But for everybody who listens across the country, tell them a little bit about True Mark Financial, your setup, your size. Oh, thank you so much. True Mark True Mark Financial is just an incredible organization to um, to work with, and it's been such a pleasure to serve this community. We're a community chartered credit union based in the Greater Philadelphia area. We. Um, are fortunate enough to be able to serve all five southeastern Pennsylvania counties, which that encompasses Philadelphia, which is a huge marketplace for us. Um, and our responsibility, you know, as we see it, is that we take care of our member community and our community at large. So we're just under three billion. We have just about four hundred employees. Um, everyone's hustling. Everyone's doing great things. And our vision is to be the first place our members turn. And I always talk about that vision because it's so special to me. Um, when I think about being the first place, it really reminds me of um, parenthood. You know, what my children feel when they need someone to help them, when they need guidance, when they need love, when they need kindness. And that's the vision of what we're building at Trumark and the community that we're, we are um, so, so invested in. Um, is just making sure that our members know we're here for them no matter what. And um, it's a great opportunity to be um, beholden to the community as opposed to just a SEG um, or multi-SEG uh, organization and um, just to feel a, a little bit more part of the community that we serve um, geographically. Yeah, you, you do it. True Mark and yourself does such a great job contributing to the area and a good presence and a, and a lot of good work. And for anybody who's driving on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, when you hit the Philadelphia area, you can look and see their nice headquarters right off the Turnpike. It's it's a wonderful building, a wonderful location, and uh, it's pretty new for them, and it's given them a lot yep. more space to grow and doing a wonderful job. So, Yeah, thanks for that, Mark. So Rick Stippa says, boy, I'm thinking of retiring, and the wheels start going through your head. Tell me a little bit about what it's like for the process to get the job and really almost what you started to do in preparing yourself personally for that process. That's a great question, Mark. And I think, um, I think in hindsight, there's so many things I would have done differently had I gone through a search before, because I don't think when you go through your search for the first time, and especially because I was an internal candidate, there, it's hard to be objective, right? I love this organization. I helped build this organization over the last eight years of my career. I'm very invested in it. And sometimes you have to take a step back, right? And, and I think that's the most important thing. If I was advising myself a year ago, you have to take a step back, right? And really understand that when what the board is looking for is not just a, you know a reiteration of your accomplishments but the board is looking to see what the future of the credit union holds and i sort of picked up that momentum as the search went on but in the beginning it was it felt so personal right like you feel like oh i'm going through this I'm going through this process. I'm going. I'm making a list of everything I've ever done to build my credibility. And I think some of that's because I'm a young CEO, and some of that's because um, I'm a first-time CEO. So you're trying to bolster all of that. Um, and I really wish I just spent more energy focused on what I wanted to build 
as opposed to what I had built because you get really invested in that emotionally, right? And then it feel, and then the search feels even more personal. So my anxiety levels were high. Um, you know, obviously my, my passion for the credit union was really deep. Um, and sometimes I think that I could have saved myself some, uh, a few sleepless nights if I had just distanced myself a little bit more mentally, but it is a very long process and it's long, not just in time, but it's long in mind, right? So you're always thinking about it. You're never not, <laughs> you're never not, um, focused on it. And, you know, you have colleagues internally that know um, that you're in it and you can't talk about it. So it's very lonely also. Um, so just, it, you know, I think just preparing yourself for how, especially as an internal candidate, I can't, I've never been involved in another search. So I can't speak to somebody who came into a new CEO role. Um, but I know, especially as an internal candidate, creating that distance for yourself will help save your brain a little bit. So yeah. Do, do you find that you probably were interviewing for the job in the past few years, but maybe didn't even know it with, with I'm sure. board members or people? Yeah, I'm sure, Mark. I mean, I'm sure. And I think that, um, you know, I think especially for me, it's a question of is she ready? Has she had enough experience yet to take on on the role? So I I would say yes. I, I think that every interaction, I'm a big believer that every interaction you have always matters, right? So no matter whether you're interviewing or just interacting with somebody, um, you know, uh, that you meet on the street, every every interaction, every chance you have to interact with another human being is important. So I'm sure I was being interviewed without being interviewed, um, but I will say our board was so fair throughout the process and very objective. Um, so I was to them during that process, I was just a candidate. I wasn't Kelly the candidate, right? Yeah, I find that, you know, with, like somebody like yourself, where you you don't check the box of 30 years experience yeah. <laughs> and sometimes i find when i say 30 years experience sometimes i find 30 years of working at the yeah. credit union or in that same capacity but it's not necessarily 30 years experience you've just yes. kind of done the same thing around the edges I use that expression all the time. Tenure isn't the same thing as experience, right? So, it, but it, what I will say is, you know, it's it's sometimes it's hard for people to understand or imagine how much range of experience I was able to see, you know, in a shorter, you know, in a shorter career tenure. My dad's best friend gave me this advice and he was in the banking world for many years. And he said, when I took this role, he was like, you know, experience will always help you know how help you know that there's land on the other side of the sea but you know how to navigate the storm and you just have to remember that you'll you know you'll you just don't have the perspective yet to see what's on the other side um and give yourself some assurances and i think that is 100 percent true so if you were to sit down there's a lot of people who want the corner office job but there's a very small pyramid that actually gets there for somebody who's maybe in that middle management role, has a career ahead of them, what would you say uh, for advice for people who want to move up and get to that role someday? I think the role is truly, truly amazing work. And Mark, you know this as a CEO, it's very meaningful work 
right? I mean, the what what you do truly influences and impacts so many human beings. And I think the most important thing for somebody to do in middle management or in earlier phases of their leadership it, is to really ask themselves what they are hoping to become. What are they hoping to do with their career? And is that, do you want the role for power? Do you want the role for authority? Do you want the role because you don't want to have a boss? Newsflash, you have more bosses when you're the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, or do you want the role for a different purpose? And I think I've always been a big believer in following your, when it comes to careers, following your heart, not your head. And, you know, when I think about what I think my purpose is, I truly believe my purpose is to help build communities, to help create a sense of belonging for, um, for others. And this role has allowed me to do that. And I can do that even more so because I have such a great um, executive team that surrounds me and they really allow me the space to be able to do that. So I think just focusing on your purpose and your heart's desire, um, I think will take anyone anywhere they, they want to go. It, it, I have talked to so many people uh, who, who've come to me and they, they want to get ahead and they want to move up, but really the deeper you get to them, they really, they want some career advancement. They want a little more money. They want to try mm -hmm. some new things, but the management side and that mm. leadership side isn't for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was at the credit union for 10 years and now I'm at 10 years at the QSO. And, and I was actually just talking to my wife about all of the things that I miss at the credit union that I mm. used to be able to do kind of that ground floor working with businesses, mm. bringing everybody to at my house for a Christmas party. And a lot of those things that as a CEO now, I quite frankly can't do. Right. Um, I can't do that to everybody. So right. it, you, you give up a little bit and I don't yeah. think people realize, uh, you know, it, it's not for everybody. You give up a lot. You, I mean, it's a huge identity transformation. I appreciate you saying that so much because um, my predecessor, Rick Sipa, said to me the one thing that he thought was going to be hard for me was not doing the work, like not being in the work. And he was 100% correct. You know, you miss the autonomy. You're always on. You're always being watched. Everything that comes out of your mouth is being um, scrutinized and sometimes leveraged against you, honestly. And I think there's just a lot of, um, there's a lot of sacrifice that comes. I mean, people talk about loneliness. Um, it, it is a, there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with the role. I appreciate you saying that, Mark. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I have to go outside of my organization to have some candid conversations where yes. I want to talk about me. Yes. Uh, be, be, because nobody wants to hear my troubles. Yeah. So... <laughs> So, so I'll listen so you, to you anytime, Mark, whatever you need. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So six months in, what, what are some of the other pieces, whether it be personally, professionally, really what you thought it would be like compared to what it's like today? Uh, yeah. I, I know every time I get an announcement out about my name or the company, 
I then get 30 salespeople calling me, wanting me to help me out. And you just get, <laughs> you become the person that everybody wants to contact, but you can't be with everybody. Yeah. So, so really, what are those, some of those differences on, on, on reality versus uh, what it's been like? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, it is, I would say, from a reality, from an expectation versus reality standpoint, um, I didn't, I didn't expect time management to be as difficult as it is, and I recognize how naive that sounds, but it is so easy to get spread so thin, and you know, the job is a thinking job, and it's very easy to occupy yourself with things other than thinking. So you have to be very disciplined about your time and and more importantly, your energy. And so I think the first, you know, 60 days of my role, someone called me a whirling dervish. And I think that's a right, right way of describing it. But you're just, you know, I just threw myself into the deep end. And, um, you know, when I kind of came up for air, we did a lot of great things. You know, we, we hit some great momentum. We started to shift some, um, you know, some energy and some mindsets. But then I really had to ask myself, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And I asked myself that every single day now. I, I end my day in reflection asking myself, did I do, did I put my energy where it was best used? Did I bring the most value to the day? And there are days that that answer is no, right? I mean, like there are days where the work gets away from you or you get caught up in in some detail that, you know, I, I didn't need to be involved in. So there's discipline that comes from that, comes from reflection. But I would say also the energy aspect of it. It is an exhausting role, Mark. I know it's one you've held for a decade, so you can definitely appreciate how tired you are at the end of a day. <laughs> end of a day. But I'm actually an introvert. I'm an introverted person. Um, I always call myself an introvert with social skills. So I'm, I can be very high energy, but I require a lot of time to recharge, which I could balance really well in my other role, less well in this role because you're wanted everywhere. So that's been a big, um, big shift and one that I'm still working through and still learning. So if you have any advice for me, Mark, I take it. <laughs> you know, I, my <laughs> biggest challenge and the hardest part of my job is the people that I've known and worked with for such yeah. a long time yes. who would just call me and need solutions or want some advice. And Because when we started here at MB, when I started at MBFS, it was a company of three people, and now we're pushing 60 people. Mm-hmm. And I have management teams, and I have great leaders and management and people. And, 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 and sometimes those people who just always wanted to text me and get on the phone and talk about a loan or find out what was going on. I sometimes struggle to push them off to other people. Or it's so difficult sometimes for my my management to come to me and they want my, their affirmation. And I, I ultimately say, what do you think? What, what, what do you think? How do you want to do it? And I just... It, it sometimes I hold back because I would twist it and change it a little bit, mm. but I just say, okay, that's good. Run with it. Yeah, uh, you know yeah. where I don't want to. I don't want to give people the answer. I don't want to be the answer person for every problem in the company. Yes, can't be. And, and I've right? realized too, your voice is so influential oh, over Mark, over the little things. <laughs> yes. 
Mark, I will tell you that that you took the words right out of my mouth. Like I am a very transparent, very direct communicator, right? I mean, I'm an attorney by trade. This is just it's just how I communicate. And it's so crazy. Like you can't brainstorm, right? There's no brainstorming as a CEO because people you, especially in a in a culture, I shouldn't say there's I'm sure there's plenty of CEOs that can engage in brainstorming effectively in solution orientation in a in a legacy financial institution that is so conditioned to hierarchy. If the second an idea comes out of my mouth, it's gospel. Yes. Yep. I have to tell people this is my idea. I'm not I'm open to ideas and suggestions. Mm -hmm. I, I always preface that I am open to ideas. Mm hmm. Yes. So it's just interesting. Like, you know, you can't, and even when, when you say, oh, that's a great idea, people automatically are like, this is it. Let's go. Full authority. So I, I have to just learn a little bit about um, how, to, how to censor my language a little bit in a way that um, I didn't expect. I'll say that. Yes. Yep. So you are now in charge of day-to-day -day <laughs> operations and you just witnessed a succession transfer yeah but now you have to think about your own staff you have to think about yourself what if you get sick what if your staff gets sick who's backing up your leaders what have you looked at for for your succession planning and for the team and, and, and kind of best practices in succession planning of Truemark? That's such a great question um, and something that's really on the forefront of my mind. Uh, you know, it's when you, you know, coming from my succession, right, uh, there were, I, I was very fortunate that my predecessor gave me a lot of autonomy, right, to try and do and flex in my leadership, right, over the last several years. And I will say, too, my role as a chief risk officer allowed me to be pretty much everywhere all the time, right? Every project, everything that was going on. But what I have rethought is what I would call emotional readiness for the responsibility, right? And because there's a lot of things that you don't necessarily think about or pre prepare or plan for um, until you're kind of thrust into the role. And I have had the great pleasure of working with an amazing executive coach over the last seven months. And one of the first places I'm starting with my own executive team is their own coaching relationships. So having them have the opportunity to also work with a coach to help them work through some of these leadership moments um, in a way that's unique to them and independent of them. Um, and then, you know, I think we were talking about stepping out, like stepping aside. It's combining some of those emotional aspects of it, emotional readiness aspects of it with opportunity to learn. And I say this about my dad all the time growing up. My dad was a single father and he really had a rough life and, but just always pushed us my, my my sisters and I to be independent, right? To never have to rely on anybody, to never have to to kind of beat your own path. But the the only way you learn that independence, that you learn that self sufficiency, 
is by being able to make mistakes. And that is something that I try to bring forward both as a parent, but also as a leader is the ability for my team to make mistakes that they can learn from and to have the opportunity to have experiences that I had. So hopefully combining those two things will help create a stronger and more robust succession planning process as we go forward. I'm glad you said about uh, allowing people the freedom to succeed and the, if they, the freedom to also make mistakes, because sometimes I feel in our industry, it gets very risk adverse yeah. And people feel, I, I sometimes call it management by avoidance, mm. where you've never made a bad decision, but you've mm -hmm. never actually kind of stuck your head out and said, I want yeah. to do this, uh, and made a good risk-based decision. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. So, Yeah. And I think just not castigating people for making those mistakes, right? I'm going to make them too, right? And so what you have to demonstrate is that you are going to learn from them. And there's very few mistakes that people can make that are catastrophic, right? So yes. just knowing that like, you know, we have so many checks and balances and controls here, it gives me a little bit more assurance to, you know, stick my neck out sometimes when you need to. Um, but I wanna give that same safety for my team. So let's wrap things up here with just talk to, talking about the credit union environment as a, law, as, as a whole. Uh, what are your, not, not necessarily with Trumark, but what are your thoughts on the credit union environment? Uh, what, you're, what you're worried about? What keeps you up at night from a macro environment, uh, from, from the current economic environment, or things that you think are pretty good? Uh, give, give me your thoughts on the world today. I'm going to start with what I'm excited and hopeful for. I think there is a really big shift in the credit union industry that's happening right now. Um, not just a shift in leadership. I mean, there's been a ton of executive leadership transition over the last year, but also I think in mindset, I mean, the, the industry occupies a very interesting value proposition for the future. Our, as our society becomes more open to not-for-profit, the not-for-profit mindset, the not-for-profit philosophy. And as there is much more vested interest in community involvement and community caretaking, I think we're going to see many more people turning to credit unions than ever before. Because there are large banks that try localization strategies, but you can't fake localization. You're either local or you're not. And so I think the authenticity, and that's what I love the most about the industry, it's so authentic. People are so good and kind and really care. I think the industry is full of people that have that mindset um, and want to do right and want to do good. And I think once we can get that message out there, it's going to create so much more momentum for the industry. Um, and I think it's going to take leaders like you, like me, to be out there talking about credit unions in a different way, to be able to start talking about it. And I, it's, you know, the, the movement of the credit union industry um, still exists, but I think it, it's gotta get rebranded for a new generation. And I think there's great opportunity uh, ahead for that. You know, 
the concerns are the concerns, right? It's economies of scale for sure. Um, it's ability to strategically compete for talent, for, um, for operational improvements and operating model improvements. It's obviously the headwinds that we're facing from the economy at this point, for sure. I mean, Mark, you and I know both so well in a very competitive Philadelphia market, how, how sometimes it can feel uh, very daunting to be a financial institution in this space. But it just, the, the collaborative nature of the industry, I think is going to prevail and it's going to create opportunities for some great partnerships, right? I mean, like we, uh, there's probably things that we can do together than, uh, more that we can do together than separate and as competitors of one another. So it's just finding that right balance, I think. And I'm just excited to see what the future holds for the next few years. I've always said that it's very easy to make a loan. It's very yeah. easy to oh, have a CD special and somebody comes in and opens up the money. That, that yeah. part is easy. But the credit unions that succeed are really going to be the ones that when somebody has an issue, when they have a concern, who do they go see? Yes. And if you're that person, if you're that relationship, mm -hmm. then you can win uh, and, and not just simply buy the business because, you know, the economy and interest rate markets go up, they go down, they're good, they're bad, but you can't fake relationships. And if you're, people sense that you're part of the community and a solution provider. Yeah, I, I think you're really set up in a good position to be that. Yeah, the credit union industry is a sincere industry. And the more, you know, we don't ever look at a mortgage as a mortgage. We look at a mortgage as someone's buying a home, someone's buying a place where they're making memories. And that's not just at Trumark Financial, though I think we do that exceptionally well. That's in the whole industry. So if we can all gather around that and we can all project out together that sincerity, I think we're just we're just setting ourselves up for a lot of success. Well, Kelly, thank you for joining me today. Uh, this, this has been great. It's a lot of fun. I feel like they're not even recording it. And that's how I know it's a good one. So uh, thank you. Mark. So I, I really appreciate that. your time. Uh, thank you for coming. Any parting words? Um, just thank you so much for having me here. And I am always here to be your therapist if you need my friends. <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel like this could go on for a couple hours, but yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. Great, great conversation today. Thank you. So for everybody listening, uh, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast network. Episodes will drop every two weeks on Tuesday. And thank you to my guest today, Kelly Boddy, the CEO of Truemark Financial Credit Union. And keep listening and go ahead and tell everybody who, who your favorite credit union is and the best choice out there is our business. Thanks a lot and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Credit Union Conversations podcast. Have a question? Visit markritter.com for more information.